Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Um, I want to just introduce to you Mark and Mersha Sharnik. Mersha over here, <laughs> she's going to be on the stage as well. They're going to tag team this morning. These guys are people of incredible faith. And if you haven't yet encountered them or met them, please make a plan. <laughs> because they will inspire you. They will encourage you. They are two really good friends of mine. They have blessed me so much. They have inspired me so much. And uh, what you are in for this morning is, is that th- this couple carries incredible wisdom, insight, grace, and experience concerning Christian marriage. And so you are in for a treat today. There might be a little bit of a rebuke. But there will be lots of encouragement and inspiration. So, guys, thank you so much for your faith. And uh, we look forward to what the Lord's going to share through you. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor Greg. Yeah, good morning, church. Um, I was just thinking about it. Uh, Mersh and I were in the 8.30 service. And, and I think maybe Pastor Sai was going, maybe you need some practice. Do it a second time and you'll get it right. You know? Um, so... Before I go ahead, I just want to take this opportunity to acknowledge and recognize the senior pastors, Pastor Simon and Pastor Lindy, uh, Pastor Roger and Pastor Nicola, and then the Every Nation's Rosebank leadership team. Um, Thank you for your sincerity, for your humility, for your thoughtfulness and your authenticity. And above all, thank you for your passion for serving. Mersh and I are truly blessed to be a part of this family. You will recall that uh, in this series of healthy relationships, we started off with Healthy Me. That was done by Pastor Simon. And then that was followed by Healthy Friendships by Pastor Lareko. And then subsequent to that, we had Healthy Dating and then Last week, we had a panel discussion led by, um, I guess I'm thinking now about the 8.30 service that was led by Pastor Quinton, but I'm not sure who would led it here. But we had a panel discussion, and that was on engagement. And so it's, uh, I guess, fitting that we come to the conclusion of the series by talking about healthy marriages. And Mersh and I are really honored that we are given this opportunity to share our perspectives on what it takes to have healthy marriages. And so there'll be a perspective of the husband and then the perspective of the wife, and Mersha will come up and share on those. Um, so as I kick off, I think it's important for you to understand where I come from. Um, I grew up in a Catholic home. Um, my father, his father, my uncles, my paternal uncles and my paternal aunts were all Catholic. Um, my father was a leader in the Catholic Church. I, went, I was an altar boy. I went to catechism classes. I did my first Holy Communion and my confirmation. Um, and I guess when I was growing up, they weren't, I didn't experience, I didn't witness things of breakups, of divorce um, in my immediate family. So it was kind of foreign to me. But like every one of us, our belief systems are influenced and shaped by how we are brought up, our upbringing, our community, 
our family, in terms of the values and norms. And in my particular instance, this was undoubtedly um, influenced by the infusion of Catholic orthodoxy. So my construct of marriage was kind of based on three things, right? And, and I want to give this. Marriage is a lifetime commitment. It's irrevocable. Once married, always married. I didn't believe in living together. It had to be under marriage covenant. Marriage provided legitimacy. And I choose this word deliberately because I don't think we operate in a dispensation of legalism or legitimacy in, a, in that construct. And if we were going to have kids, it had to be done under the covenant of marriage. Marriage provides legitimacy. And, you know, by the time I got married, <laughs> however, I was a self-confessed atheist. We got married in court. So in our early days of marriage, um, I believed that the love I had for my wife and the love she had for me was all we needed for a successful marriage. We were blessed with two beautiful daughters. We had very supportive parents who helped us out. And I was building a great career, right? I was the head of the home. And it was expected because I was the breadwinner. I brought the money in, right? Or the biggest share of the money. And that entitled me to make the big decisions. And that meant I also had the discretion of what I did with our discretionary cash, right? We've had a fair share of arguments and heated debates and disagreements. Who doesn't? But in my view, it wasn't hectic and serious enough to say our marriage is under threat. Everything was going well. We had a happy marriage. And during this period, Mercia and the kids decided to go to Ramah. Yeah, I was okay with it. As long as I didn't have to go along, right? They could do it, go for it. And, you know, in this period, through it all, there was no room for God. Hey, I didn't need God. We had a happy marriage, right? However, as I stand here before you and I reflect upon it, and that stage of our marriage, I, I see that it was a period of self-reliance, a period of self-sufficiency, a period of self-confidence, and what I would call a healthy dose of selective legalism. What do I mean by that? Well, there were those things that I picked up in my Catholic background that I thought, ah, that, that fits well. That fits well in how I want my marriage to be. And there were others that uh, didn't go selective, so they didn't come and form a part of it, right? That's the selective legalism. I chose what suited me. And, you know, that was the stuff I focused on in terms of what was a happy marriage. So, while Mersh and I recently celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I see I missed a slide there, but I guess I just want to re-emphasize the point here that there are two things that we need to think about, right? One is that we need to recognize that where we come from influences our thinking and thus our behavior. So we can't get away from that, but we need to be self-aware of it. And then the second one is what I want to call the illusion and deception of self-reliance. I don't need God. 
Who, who needs him? Everything is going hunky-dory, right? An illusion, a deception that we need to avoid, right? And then, as I said, it was, you know, recently celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary, and it was just over 25 years ago where things started to shift in our marriage. Um, since we started out, our marriage has evolved for the better. In, in fact, I would say it's fair to say that our marriage transformed. And this transformation was initiated by what Mersh and I uh, looked at as three kind of fundamental beliefs, three fundamental principles. The first one, the health of our marriage is inextricably linked to the quality of our relationships. Our relationship with each other and our relationship with the Father. The second one is the Father's Word provides the blueprint for a healthy marriage. And in this regard, I have been and continue to focus on internalizing the following scriptures in my pursuit of a healthy marriage. Uh, that under Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives with an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love that always seeks the best for them. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, seek the highest good for her, and surround her with a caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so... I guess the next thing for me was, so what does this love look like? And I think this is captured very succinctly in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. Love is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked and easily angered. And then I guess the third one was the recognition that it starts with me. A healthy marriage starts with me. A healthy marriage is like this delicate and intricate system, a, a machine, right? And, and we, the individual parts are designed to operate seamlessly in perpetual and synchronous harmony. And it requires me to take ownership and accountability for who I am called to be in my marriage. It demands a healthy me. A me that operates as the OEM, the Father designed me to function. Now some of you are going, OEM, is that a new buzzword? No, it just means original equipment manufacturer, right? So that's the Father. How he designed me is the way I should be seeking to operate. And I draw encouragement from Galatians 6.9 that reminds me that I am not to grow tired or disenchanted or be discouraged in doing what is right. Because if I persevere, if I persist, if I endure, the rewards will naturally follow. Because it's one of God's eternal Laws, what you sow, you will reap. And so it's important for us to recognize that. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, the thing that struck me was how many of us devote the same time, energy, and resourcefulness 
to our marriages as we do to our careers. And I think that's something that we should ponder on. So I see marriage as a kind of lifetime endeavor. It's not the 100-meter dash. It is the comrades. It's the marathon. It is a journey that never ends, right? And so in this lifetime endeavor, I have determined to focus on a couple of things, right? The first is connectedness and intimacy in our marriage. Not because it binds us physically and emotionally, but because we need to have a spiritual connection, a connection that emulates what the kind of relationship is that we're supposed to have with the Father. However, we can't have a spiritual connection if we don't have a healthy physical and emotional relationship. And also, we can't truly experience what a true intimacy and connectedness looks like or is if we don't have intimacy with the Father. And similarly, we can't have a great intimate relationship with our spouse if we don't know and don't have an intimate relationship with the Father. Number two, being united in my commitment to honor the Father. Marriage is God's idea, and it is incumbent on us to honor the Father by following His precepts of marriage. We need to do it His way. And so as we honor our wives, we honor our Father. Then the third one is empowering and encouraging my wife to share her God-given gifts and talents to pursue what the Father has called her to do. Confident in our identity and connectedness in marriage. So I don't have to feel diminished, right? Marriage doesn't relegate our individual gifting and purpose, nor diminish who we are called to be just because we married. My gifting, my purpose is not more important than Mercia's. And then four is pursuing transparency, authenticity, honesty, mutual respect, and faithfulness. Without these, connectedness and intimacy cannot thrive. It cannot flourish. These will equip us to navigate and overcome life's inevitable challenges. The Bible tells us we will have trials and, and tribulations, so they're going to come. And we need to equip ourselves for that. And it's through connectedness and intimacy with our spouses that we are able to take those challenges on and be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And then the fifth one is valuing our time together. Only by leveraging this precious resource will we know and understand each other better, grow closer together, and strengthen our connection with the Father. I, I believe that many of us don't appreciate that time is a limited resource. We don't get it back once it's expended. And we need to be a bit more deliberate in how we spend our time when we're with our spouse. And then finally, we need to appreciate and cherish our connections with family, friends, and community. We can't step up and fully give of ourselves, family, uh, as friends, family, or community members when our marriage relationships aren't healthy. And we, I guess, in this family, see con con connect groups as an important 
community forum that helps us to share and to build and to connect with others. So it's important that we do appreciate that marriages can't flourish without community, without family. Whoa, okay. Yeah. And then uh, I guess one of the important things to also remember is what got us here. And I'm going to try and cover them briefly, right? It's believing the will of the Father for us. And we know that what uh, um, Jeremiah 29.11 says, right? His plans for us are good. And then the second one is the power of faith and prayer. My wife prayed for her unbelieving husband's salvation and her marriage, and the father answered. So I'm reminded of two scriptures that I want to briefly share. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a true and faithful wife finds a good thing and obtains favor and approval from the Lord. In this regard, I must applaud my wife for the example she set in this regard. And then James 5.16 says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, can accomplish much. Then number three is getting to know the word and internalizing it. The promises of the Father. And I'm just going to focus on 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Joshua 1.8, I'm sure we're all familiar with. Right? And then I guess the, the other one, the fourth one, is believing that I qualify. So often all of us go, they're not talking about me. No, no, it, I don't qualify. I don't deserve it. Right? It is by grace that we have been saved. And John 3.16 reminds us that. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the next one is, again, Jeremiah 29, 11, again a reminder that God's plans and intentions towards us are good. He wants to prosper us, right? And I guess the final one I want to share here is building my faith and changing my belief system, right? We need to stand united in faith if we are to see the Father's promises come to fruition. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and please Him for whomever comes near to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Romans 12, 2 also declares that we are not to be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. So in closing, I want to encourage husbands and wives to know that what God has done in Mercia and my marriage, He can do for you. Amen. And why is that? Because His Word promises it, right? In Romans 2, 11, his word declares, for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is not more important than another. And then the second scripture says, in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, 
nor son of man, that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good and fulfill it? All that is required is for us to believe, is to stand on the word, and to commit to it. Thank you. Yeah, Mark and I are chalk and cheese. We've got some family here today. We've got close friends here today. And uh, they know how we operate. We do things very differently. But that is how God created us. Um, one of the chapters in my book that I've just written, A Journey with a King, I speak about goody two shoes. And I think from his message today, you realize that he is truly a goody two shoe. <laughs> But yes, I'll do life over with him again and again and again. He's just such an amazing man. Uh, we, we, didn't, we started out quite rough. Um, uh, it was hectic. Um, I thought our marriage was crazy. I thought I just couldn't, we couldn't live like this. I was always afraid of losing this amazing man. And uh, so I hid a lot of things from him. Um, I loved what Pastor Simon emphasized in, he, in the first series, a healthy me. And I think that's so, so important. This is vital for a healthy marriage. We come in. <laughs> Here's a sound on my recorder here. So Sorry. So we come in as whole individuals, not two halves. We, as individuals, we are not the same. And as couples, we are not the same. God knows your spouse. So find out from him the best way to serve your spouse. So my first point is about personal responsibility. And in Philippians 2, 12 to 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so I think that it's so important that both husband and, and wife get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, get to, get to know his voice, um, read the Bible, understand the word, Understand what is your responsibility as a spouse and do only what he instructs you to do. And uh, so I, I remember starting out 25 years ago um, in, in my walk with the Lord. And I just felt very, very lonely in my walk with the Lord. I had no Christian friends. And so I never had people that would speak into my life. But what I did was I spent a lot of time going to conference after conference. I bought a lot of cassettes. For those of you that don't know cassettes, you'll find out. But I had lots of them. I listened to them constantly. I spent a lot of time uh, reading books, Christian books. I didn't like the Bible. I thought it was boring. And I told the Lord it's not working for me. Nothing made sense. Um, but when I listened to teaching, I just enjoyed that. So I memorized scripture. I made note of it. I tried to apply it to my life. 
So what I'm saying to you, it's important that you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. So often we think it's the husband's responsibility. You know, he's the head of the house, the priest in the house, and that's his responsibility. He can just sort us all out. No, wives, you also need to take responsibility. God wants you to know the plan and the purpose that he has for you. He wants you to walk in that uh, purpose. He wants you to submit to your husband, even though we struggle as women with that word submission. But it's in the Bible. And so what I suggest we do with that is find out from God what is submission. What does it mean to you, Lord? How do I do this thing? Amen? Amen. Yes, God wants us to submit. And then to the husband, it's important. The Bible says, love your wives. And so they are accountable for loving us with all their heart. They must give us stuff. They must do... (laughs) They must do things for us. They must lay down their lives. (laughs) They have a huge responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, if you are struggling in your marriage, I was just thinking about Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. That is something I spent a lot of time in. And I, I would encourage couples to go and read the book of Proverbs. It speaks about how to do life. And how to do marriage. You know that scripture about the nagging wife and the dripping tap? It's in Proverbs. (laughs) And so we need to get our act together. Amen. So I would encourage just having a relationship with God and he will direct your steps. He will give you clear guidance. He knows your spouse. And so he's going to help you to be the best spouse that you can possibly be. For those of you that don't know, I was raped at age 19 or 20. I fell pregnant from the rape and I chose to have an abortion. And so I carried all of that baggage into my marriage. And I almost destroyed a perfectly good marriage. And the thing with that is I decided, I made a decision that I was going to take this thing to my grave. Nobody would ever know what happened to me. But that's unhealthy. If you are struggling with stuff in your life, you're carrying baggages and you don't want to deal with them, you know what? Take it to the Lord in prayer. I am so glad that I was so lonely in the beginning because all I could do was ask God questions. All I could do was ask him, how do I do this thing? Help me. It's not working for me. I'm struggling. And he was there all the time. And you know, today I am so, so blessed to see Mark up here this morning. I think to myself, Lord, I would never have dreamed that we would do something like this. You know, I thought our marriage was hopeless. You know, it was dull and it was boring and there was nothing exciting about our marriage at all. And that is not what God wants. The Bible says in John 10 verse 10, the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So if we're not enjoying abundant life, marriage is God's idea. You know, if we're not enjoying it, then the problem is with us. Amen. So let's find out what God wants to do. So I carried all of this guilt, the shame, the condemnation, um, the pain 
with me into my marriage, and it was hectic. I, hectic. I was difficult. You know, Mark's goody two shoes, and I was convinced this man's going to leave me any day now. I was hard work. And who wants to live with somebody that's so hard work? Oh, my word. I was sensitive and uh, just a nightmare. And so we don't want to be that way. And that's why we need to ask God, Lord, how can I be a better wife? How can I honor this man? How can I submit to him? How can I support him? That's so, so important. Hebrews 11 verse 6, Mark quoted this as well. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that is it, my friend. If you are struggling in your marriage, you need to just diligently seek God. Be diligent. Be patient. Ask him how to do this thing. It's not a quick fix. 25 years later, I have the man that I wanted. <laughs> and I trained him. He's exactly where I want him to be. <laughs> That's not true, hey? That's not true. Uh, so, you know, we can pray for our marriage. Believe your marriage can change. See your brand new spouse and confess the change regularly, daily. When he's messing up, when you don't see eye to eye, you pray for him. You declare he is the head of the house. He's the the priest in your home. He loves the Lord more than he loves me. And in so doing, he will honor me. Amen? So that is how we pray for them. The second one is comparisons are unhealthy. Galatians 6, 4 to 5 in the New Living Translation says, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Romans 2 verse 11 in the Amplified, For God shows no partiality, undue favor, or unfairness. With him, one man is not different from another. So what we know from this scripture is that God wants us all to enjoy our marriages. God shows no favoritism. He wants all of us to enjoy the life that he has called us to live. So we need to be purposeful about the life that he has for us. So I spoke earlier on about the fact that I was very lonely when I started out and I had to just spend time with the Lord, seek his face and ask him, you know, just to help me. And what happened in those days was, I would see these couples walking around in the church, holding hands, and it just looked like everything was beautiful and rosy, and they weren't making any mistakes, and the man was doing what he was supposed to, and the woman was doing what she was supposed to, and I envied that, and I was mad, and I felt sad. Every time I saw these couples at church because I had been praying for this man and he's not budging, he's not hearing, he's not making any move towards church. Um, but you know, I believe that God orchestrated something in my life. I eventually got to meet some of the couples. <laughs> And you know,
know what I noticed? I noticed these women bad-mouthing these men, disrespecting them. And I just knew in my heart that God was saddened by this, that that wasn't his idea for a good marriage. That wasn't his idea at all. And the Lord always getting me to change. And that's what he do often when I complained about Mark, about certain things. He would say, Mercia, you change. And so I knew I couldn't grumble to the Lord. He's not listening. <laughs> Mercia, you are the culprit. You change. <laughs> and so I did. I carried a lot of baggage into my marriage, which I shouldn't have. But the Lord took me to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And I've got it up here. Um, I've shown the amplified version, but I just want to um, share with you the version that I uh, memorized. And it says, love is kind, love is patient, love is gentle, love doesn't count the wrongs done to it. Love elevates the truth. Love is not touchy, resentful, or fretful. Love elevates others higher than himself. Love never fails. Love conquers all. And that is a beautiful scripture, but it wasn't in my nature to do that. That was hard work. And I always said, Lord, you always give me the hard things to do. I couldn't walk in love. I didn't know how to do that. And so sometimes it was one step forward and ten back, but I kept going. I felt the Lord kept prompting me, keep going, keep doing this. And he helped me day in and day out. And you know, it's become second nature to me to walk in love. I can easily overlook offense and, and, and not get agitated by it. God is a good God, and he will help us, and he strengthens us for, for the purpose that which, for which he has called us. And so God is good. God came through, and even though Mark and I are not perfect, I will do it all over again with him. <laughs> Any man will change, any woman will change when you walk in love. Number three is communication is key. Healthy communication leads to healthy boundaries. James 1 verse 19 in the Passion Translation says, My dearest brother and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen but slow to speak and be slow to become angry. Ephesians 4 verse 29, Passion Translation again, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to them. So easy. If you ask the Lord to help you in this area where you guard your mouth, guard your tongue, he will definitely do that. Now, early on in our marriage, I was always afraid of sharing with Mark about who I really am and what's going on in this brain box. I was always afraid of losing him. And that is unhealthy, extremely unhealthy. We are not called to hide things away. It affects us. It plays out in our lives. And so keeping all of these secrets within me really caused havoc in my life. And so open and honest communication is key. When we can't address issues, they become heart issues. And, and um, they linger, you know, offense, anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness becomes the norm. You probably won't raise your hands at this question, but do you move to the edge of the bed 
when there's unresolved issues. You don't have to raise your hand. It's probably, I'm probably the only one that did that. And I loved being at that corner of the bed. We all do this. And it's a sign of leave me alone. And that is not God's way. God loves us. Marriage was his idea. Intimacy was his idea. Sex is not supposed to be boring and draining and ugly and filthy. Amen? Amen. Not at all. It was something beautiful that God created for us here and now. And so God wants to bring about change. If you are carrying baggage and things are affecting you mentally, the first place it affects you is in intimacy. Mark spoke about it. Intimacy with God and intimacy with your partner. You see, God wants us to do things differently. And it's so sad that we can't even enjoy the one thing that he has created for us. It's supposed to be precious. And I'm so glad that the Lord has restored that area in my life. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. So the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the inferiority complex all affected my intimacy. It had nothing to do with Mark. Mark is the nicest, most gentle man I will ever know. And I knew that it wasn't him. I knew there was something wrong with me. So I want to say to you, you know, if you are struggling in intimacy in any way, Start dealing with those things that is frustrating you. Deal with offense. Deal with the unforgiveness. Amen. So often we go and we think, you know what? It must be a physical thing. But mentally, if you are not in a good space, it will also affect you. And it plays out in your life too terribly. And so God restored. If we carry any mental baggage, it always affects our intimacy with God and intimacy with our spouse. Mental chaos will always affect us physically. Deal with your emotions, unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, anger, and fear, or it will affect your intimacy. Practice open and honest communication at all times. If you desire to have a healthy sex life, work on your communication skills. We hold on to stuff. Instead of talking to our partners about it, instead of talking to our spouse about it, and Mark and I, we're in such a good space right now. We're not perfect. We mess up. We get it wrong from time to time. But the thing is, we, I am so free to tell him when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling fearful, you know, when I need a hug, when I need some, some support, and I don't feel condemned, and I don't feel ashamed. Amen. So our big thing is to trust and communicate. We can talk about the hardest things and not be afraid or embarrassed at all. Both you and your spouse will make some crazy decisions affecting you and your family in a big way, but God helps you get through it. He strengthens you for the battles you will face. Without God in your center, it's going to be hard and rough. So give grace because God gives great grace. Amen. If there's no communication, then there's strife. And here's a scripture that I've learned to memorize. It's found in James 3 verse 16. Where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. 
And we want to stay away from strife in our homes. We want to stay away from strife in our marriage because it gives Satan an entry, an open door to come and wreak havoc. And we wonder why things are not working out for us. It's because we are struggling with strife and we are entertaining strife. So I refuse to leave room or an open door for the enemy. I always want to be in agreement with Mark. And sometimes we can't agree on things and then we go to the Lord. Lord, what is your way? What do you want us to do in this situation? Praise God, Mark and I talk about everything, the most painful stuff in my life I can share with him without feeling condemned or ashamed. I want to leave you with some quotes that I thought was just amazing. Be the person you want the other person to be. I think that's important, Andy Stanley. If you don't address your past wounds, your next relationship will. And that's so true, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And I simply love this one. Don't marry someone just because you met them in church. The church is like a hospital. Some patients... Patients are not responding to treatment, real talking. <laughs> so what I want to do right now, I'm going to call Mark up and we're just going to pray for couples today. Amen. <laughs> to the couples out there, it doesn't matter where you are in your marriage, it might seem hopeless God can fix it. He loves you and desires that your marriage succeed more than you do. To those who are divorced, things happen. Don't beat yourself up. Forgive yourself because God has. To those who singles out there, deal with your stuff before you go into marriage. It will be healthy for your relationship. And please don't think once you are married, you can change the man. No, you can't. Recognize God gives us warning signs about people and we need to use wisdom and obey his promptings. So God loves you. So will all the couples just stand as Mark and I just pray over you? Just pray a blessing prayer over you. I would encourage you, hold hands. Yes, like that guy's doing. <laughs> hold him around the neck, whatever. <laughs> Remind him, I love you, my guy. Mm, we can do this, eh? Amen. I trust that you are encouraged today and you know that God wants you to succeed. And you can do this thing. You know, it's not an overnight success. It's a lot of hard work, but God loves you. So let's pray. Lord, we just love you. We thank you that you are a big God. You're an awesome God. You are the great I am. In you we live and breathe and reign and have our being. I thank you, Lord, that marriage is your idea. And Lord, you want us to experience great intimacy with each other. And Father God, we just ask you for wisdom as we submit, wisdom as we love, wisdom as we honor you. We thank you, Father God, that we are going from strength to strength and victory to victory. I declare over you that your marriage will not be the same after this. Because God is going to work with you in Jesus' name. Father, we say thank you, Father, that you, Father, make a shift in our minds, in our hearts, Father, so that we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed 
and live out the promises. We believe, Father, your word above that of the enemy. Thank you, Lord, Father God, that we are going to be strong and courageous. We are going to meditate on your word. We're going to believe in its power. We're going to believe that you, Father, alone know the plans and they are good plans. Thank you, Father, that you've given me the right partner. You've chosen them for me. And I choose to change. I choose to believe the word of God above every other thing. And I believe, Father, that you will prosper us in all things and keep us in health. You will bless us indeed. You will enlarge our territory. You will keep your hand upon us. And you will keep us from evil so that we may not cause pain. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We decree and declare it to be so in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much, guys. We so appreciate your faith, your vulnerability. Such amazing things. You know, two things that really came to, stood out to me through both those discussions was that phrase, God knows your spouse. Ask him how you should love them. Think about that for a minute. In my counseling room, I often hear this. But Pastor Greg, I'm praying for him to change. God isn't answering my prayers. You see, sometimes we pray prayers God can't answer. When we pray, God wants to change us. He wants to heal our hearts. He wants to bring confidence of salvation and well-being to our hearts. All we want Him to do is change everybody around us. (laughs) And then the world will be perfect. But just think of that. God knows your spouse. Ask Him how you should love And the other thing that just was a theme throughout is your relationship with Jesus. You know, from the beginning, from healthy me, through healthy friends, to healthy dating engagement, to healthy marriage, if there are problems, if it isn't going the way the Bible says it should, you get down on your knees and you say, Father, here I am. We sang that song, you know, it's a difficult song to sing. I don't know that I do want to be burnt by fire. I'm telling you right now, whenever I hear that song, I get very sober. I feel like there's a lot of stuff coming already. I don't want to like increase the flames, right? But when stuff isn't going the way the Bible says it should, that's telling me that there's something in my heart. There's something between me and God that I haven't figured out yet. And He is so good. He is so kind. He is so gracious. And He wants us to live in the joy and peace that He has for us, right? doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. doesn't mean everything's going to go our way. But it means we will be at peace with Him and at peace with those around us.